Hello and welcome to Yasmina Uncut, a podcast all about taboo topics, love, marriage, children and everything in between. Hello and welcome back to Yasmina Uncut. So today I have a special guest, Richard Kabakian, who is the author of 60 Seconds to Save Your Relationship. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you for having me once again, actually, isn't it? It's nice to be together. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. Um, so I wanted to ask a little bit about you. So what do you do? Um, how did you come up with the book and whatnot? And I know that you own Ninth Avenue as well, which is absolutely amazing. Yes, well, um, so, you know, we go a long way back, but, uh, but generally what I do is I, I'm a pastor, but I'm also uh, an author now these days, and that sort of got me out and about doing a lot of um, marriage seminars. Um, and that comes out of all the, the, the counselling that I've sort of had to do over the years, which has been a real privilege. But as you would know, with the conversations we've had, there's a little bit of heartache there when I see people, you know, really in some ways self-sabotaging their relationships. Um, I also do a bit of coaching with, with business people and just help them manage uh, cultures and manage their staff, which, you know, when you think about staff, really it's about relationships. Yeah. So they're generally the things that I do. And, um, and I've got to say, I really enjoy every aspect of, of the different things that I do. Yeah, which is absolutely amazing, like even coming up with this place. So for those who don't know, I knew Richard back in high school. So the church actually came up with a program to do at my school at the time, which was like a free breakfast for all the kids. And it was a way to sit down, have a chat to them in the morning, provide free breakfast. And it was such an awesome initiative. And I remember having a conversation with Sarah, who is your daughter, and I just quickly became really close to the family and I've known Richard ever since and I can't even believe that you were a marriage counsellor back then too I had no idea I guess because I wasn't married and that wasn't something going through my head but how has that been for you has it benefited your marriage at all being a marriage counsellor or doing some work in that field um yeah absolutely Helen uh, and I uh, Helen being my wife um she, she'll always know when I've been counseling because I've come home just a little bit more sensitive uh, I'll come home uh, asking a lot more questions and all the things that I have just witnessed uh people in that particular session uh, you know the the bad behaviors to be quite honest um you know, you can't help but think, well, I want to make sure I don't do that. So I come home, you know, being a really good boy and uh, and Helen will say, yeah, you've been counselling today, haven't you? And I'll say, yeah, is it really that obvious? And she'll say, yes, it definitely is, which is always nice because it's always just a reminder for me to not do those things that, you know, unfortunately do hurt relationships, which is what the whole book is all about, right? Yeah. Um, basically, the, you know, 40-odd behaviours that if you do these things, it's probably going to really destroy your relationship yeah definitely and I feel like we're always we're always learning and evolving in marriage regardless of how long you've been together or what you do for your occupation you if you are open-minded you are constantly going to be learning could be just from an interaction in the morning having coffee with someone you're constantly learning um speaking of learning I wanted to ask what is the one thing most couples need help with um look I, I honestly could put it down to one thing and that would be honesty learning to be honest and I do say learning because it's a real challenge for a lot of people to be honest because of the conflict that it does cause when maybe you have tried to be honest in the past um, and I think it goes all the way back to being a child where you know maybe you were honest with your parents about something and instead of them coming alongside you saying hey listen well done for being honest um, it wasn't great what you did but you know, thank you for being honest. Whereas in some cases, when, when you have been honest, it just didn't work out well. 
like full stop. It just didn't go very well. And, um, and so people bring that into their relationships. And so what happens is when they bring that into their relationships, they, they basically feel uncomfortable or very fearful to be honest. Uh, and therefore, when you don't get to the place of honesty, that's, that's the danger zone. Yeah. And do you think um, it also plays a part in when your partner, how your partner reacts to when you are honest? Because I know for me personally, if Billy's honest about something that I'm not really happy about, I'm like, I don't care that you're honest. You screwed up. So I'm, I'm mad. I'm really mad. So do you think like reacting in a certain way does mean that your partner's more likely to be honest in the relationship? Yeah, well, I, I think it's the opposite of exactly that. So, you know, if if uh, if someone's behaviour isn't great when you do, you know, really open up and you're being very vulnerable, um, if they don't reward you by basically saying, look, I'm very disappointed in what you're telling me, um, I'm, it's hurt me, whatever it is, but thank you, I would rather that than you being dishonest with me. If, that, if it doesn't end up there, then basically just like training a puppy, um, you know, people have good memories and, and they think, well, it didn't go well last time. But what you've probably heard me say many a time is that you'll eventually, you eventually will be honest. Yeah. I guarantee you, everyone eventually gets honest, but by then it can be too late. Yeah, definitely. 100%. So now I have some questions for you that some of my followers have asked. Um, The first one being, does the honeymoon phase really exist? You know, when it's all exciting, when you first meet and you get married and everything still sparks in the air and butterflies in the stomach. Do you think it ever goes away? And if it does, should it? Is that how it should be? Yeah, I I think a honeymoon period really... uh I think what it represents is a season where you are just choosing to see the best of that person. Um, it's it's the it's the season where I, where I would say it's your eyes closed moment. You know they say love is blind, right? Yeah. So it's the you know your eyes are closed. You can't see any faults. Uh, you choose not to see mm-hmm. faults, and it's the rainbows and butterfly season. And there's no doubt about it. I think every couple need that season. But it does come to an end because what eventually happens is reality of home life, raising children, all of that does kick in. And of course, people's, you know, bad behaviours or sometimes it's not even a bad behaviour, it's just a character trait. Um, And then eventually our eyes are open to people's character traits and you start to discover that, oh, this person is not as perfect as I once thought they were. But that's okay because... I think that's a reality, right? And you do need to move on from that. Otherwise, you're going to be living in dreamland. And there does, and, and I think there are some behaviours and some traits that do need to change so that we can work together so that we can, you know, hopefully one day raise kids together and the kids will raise up, will be raised in a, in a really healthy environment. But you can have seasons of honeymoon phase where you literally just make a decision, I'm going to stop picking on my partner. And when both people decide to do that, you know what, you're straight back into honeymoon phase. Yeah. But when you're carrying resentment and you're sort of regretting someone's character traits and, and you, you're al- almost regretting that, well, I, if I had have known that uh, before we got married. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, so I think you do need to, I, I think it'd be a, a really sad thing to say that it fully goes away. And I don't think it needs to. I think that's why getting away, I know that we sort of call them dirty weekends or whatever, but you know, I reckon they're beautiful weekends yeah. where you just basically choose to, look, listen, can we just leave reality behind? and just have a great time together and just and stop talking about the kids 
or stop talking about the business and all the debts that we've got. Can we just have a, and I think you can still do that. And I think those seasons are really, really healthy. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I've been married now for five years and it definitely comes and goes. It's like waves. Some some days do feel like a honeymoon phase all over again, but then the stresses of life, especially when you have kids and you're in the depth of it yeah. at the newborn stage where your lack of sleep and then, you know, and I find like I personally, when my partner was able to go to work, I kind of resented him for that. And I was like, well, you get to go see people every day and you get to have adult interaction. Whereas I don't get any of that. So that phase just, it was, it was a toxic phase, really, even though it was something, such a big chapter in our life, it was a time where we really had to fight for our relationship. So the honeymoon phase definitely, I feel like comes and goes, but to say, like you said, to say that it's gone forever. And some people do tell you that when you first get married, do you know, the oldies that come up to you and they're like, it won't last forever. Wait until the honeymoon phase is over. Mm. And you're like, wow, like that doesn't give me much hope for my marriage. But I guess, you know, everyone's different, but like you said, hopefully it doesn't end. Surely there's hope, Richard. Yes. Well, uh, uh, you know, I think the honeymoon phase, again, I, I think it really is just the season where everyone is on their best behavior. And then we just let our hair down. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think to some degree, you've got to do that. You can't hold your stomach in forever. Right. But do you think there are some things that shouldn't be let down? Like there are some traits that people should just keep to themselves. I know it's marriage and you should, you know, want to impress your partner. But there are some things that are like, you know what, I didn't have to know this about you, that you spend this much in the toilet or this much time in here and or do this in your private time. Look, this is where <laughs> sometimes Helen and I, we feel a bit odd amongst our friendship group sometimes because we actually do actually live like that, where we yeah. hold back a little bit on, on some of the stuff that we just don't need to know because I just always want to see her as my bride as my chick yeah. you know as my as my wifey as my hot girlfriend right <laughs> and and you know of course we live together and all those things but yeah i, th- I think we actually we we actually do that yeah. um but a lot of my fr- friends and, and and that's okay that's up to yeah. them where they really do really let their hair down and i just think <laughs> oh my gosh i don't think i could cope maybe it's just my background you know maybe. uh I, yeah i just can't cope with that no it's much. it's different when you finally get to that like i remember even telling my partner i was like there are just some things like i don't need to know this let's keep it let's have some space between us so you know what when you go upstairs and you shower and you do whatever you have to i'm just not going to come upstairs we're going to have a space and he actually likes that and so do i so i'm like you find a happy medium Anyway, my next um, question from a follower to you is, how to deal with difficult in-laws? Can it still work in a relationship if in-laws are not in in it, basically? It, are they against you? Um, can can it still work without yeah. them being involved? Yeah. With them being involved. Oh, being with difficult. them with them being involved. Look, I think it's a it's a question of honour. Okay, I'm really big on honouring parents. Um, I think if you dishonour either sets of parents. It's not good for the kids to see that because one day your kids will think it's okay for them for them to teach their kids to dishonor you. Um, so, you know, we wanna, we wanna keep honor nice and high in the relationship. So, you know, you encouraging Billy and saying, hey, listen, you know, your mum and dad, they need you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go around there, cut their grass. I don't know, whatever it may be, lo- lo- love your parents um, and vice versa. I think where it gets really dangerous, and of course it's in the book, where I, where I, I strongly suggest that, you know, when, once you get married, the strongest voice in your life shouldn't be your dad yeah. any longer. Yeah. Uh, and it shouldn't be his mum. You know, it's the strongest voice in, either, in, in your lives right now should be your husband and it should be your voice to him. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean we don't take on the advice or we, we don't stop listening to our parents. And, and, but the minute 
a partner feels like your parents still have the strongest voice in your life. My experience, can I just say that bluntly? My experience is it never goes well. Mm. Uh, When a woman thinks that her husband listens to his mom or his sisters or some auntie more than she does, uh, more, more than her voice, what eventually happens is she feels completely disrespected. She feels like she's got no place in his life. Now, the danger of that is when another guy comes along and starts talking to her and shows her respect and listens to the things that she has to say, an attraction starts to form. So this is simply my experience. You've got to guard your relationship. How do you do that? You've got to make your partner your number one. Yeah. Do you think that if there's a problem with an in-law, do you think it's your partner's place to speak to his mother or your place to speak to your family rather than the other person having to stick up for themselves and not be attacked by the in-laws? 100%. Again, in the book, it's called Each to His Own. Yeah. And and so this is something Helen and I learned. Um, so we were raising our kids together and her dad, um, you know, he, he sort of was basically teaching me how to raise my own kids. <laughs> And um, and I I just went for it seriously. I was a young fellow, and I just I just went for it, and I just told him off. And honestly, I think it took about five years for that to be forgiven. Seriously. No. Yeah, like you know, I mean, he's a great guy, and I really don't blame him because I just went for it. What I should have done is said to my wife, "Hey, what your dad did today, well, well, it wasn't great. Could you have a chat with him?" And the reason I say that is because look, her parents love me, and my parents love my wife, right? But in comparison to how much my parents love me and, and her parents love her, it's just far more effective if you speak to your parents, he speaks to his parents, but you don't throw your partner under the bus. So it wouldn't be, you know, Billy saying to, you know, to his parents, hey, listen, when you do this, guys, Yasmina hates it, <laughs> right? No, no, no. It's, hey, guys, when you come to our house and you do this, that and the other, you know, we don't like it. You know, we don't like when you... So, because his parents will forgive him in a heartbeat. Yeah. And they'll just get on with it. Whereas when it's the the in-law, daughter-in-law, son-in-law, making the big stand against the other parents, it takes a long time to forgive that. Yeah. I feel like also... Um some in-laws, like some of them, they almost feel like you've stolen their son. Like if he's coming to them and going, well, when we come over, I don't, like, we don't like this. It's almost like, well, there she goes. She's taking him now forever. And that's where like that friction between the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law kind of starts to happen rather than thinking, wow, she's taught him how to really communicate with me. You know, she's respected me when she comes to my home, so I'm going to respect her. You know what I mean? So it's really difficult to find that time to be able to sit and even have these conversations with your in-laws. I found for me personally, speaking to my mother-in-law in such a respectful way, the way my mum speaks to me and the way I speak to my mum, rather than making her feel like she's lower than me and that I have her son now and I have all saying that she will never see her grandkids or her son again if it's up to me. When That's like, that's pulling, that's holding her hostage, you know? That's really tough stuff. And I think that's the worst thing you can do in a relationship. And I've experienced it where I've had you know a fight with my in-laws and I've gone well and I was pregnant and I said usual pregnant hormonal woman and I was like you're never gonna see your 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 kids ever again I was like ever and I left storming out and like my husband followed me because he was like no she's pregnant like she's gonna pop any minute but I regretted it I looked back and there was so much that I could have done that was better and now we've moved past it obviously and you know 
in a weird way, I don't know whether it's because my husband's family is Lebanese, but my father-in-law almost respected that of me. He's not used to women speaking up and saying how they feel and just really putting it out there. And so ever mm. since he's been very much tippy-toeing around me going, okay, I'm not going to pull the trigger with this one. I know she's sensitive, but it's made us grow closer, which I don't recommend yelling at your in-laws whatsoever. But that communication that followed, that was really what like made the bond stronger. And do you feel like that's the same with all in-laws? Like even the, the son doing it to the, to the wife's side? Yeah, so I mean, again, to back, back up all the way to the original question, honesty is is always the best, sorry, I shouldn't say, uh, not the best policy, it should be the only policy, right? Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there are times and seasons and you've got to get it right. But, y- you know, you can't have um, tension going on for the for your entire life, okay? Yeah. So we've got to start to work these things out because you, you'll get tired. So if your in-laws are really causing you pain, it does need to be dealt with it has to be dealt with Uh, people need to pull back people need to change some behaviors there needs to be some boundaries set okay all of that comes out of honest communication but who does that communication is just as important and so i think you know let's let's just sit back okay this is an issue who's the best person to confront this issue and uh and then when it's you know i think what your in-laws experienced that day was honesty yeah. Now, maybe you didn't do it <laughs> <laughs> the way that they were hoping you were going to do it. But you, you basically, you created a boundary, mm. right? Now, that probably could have been done better. But eventually, but what you actually did was create a boundary. And they would have respected that because th- th- sometimes they just don't know where the boundaries are. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's so, so much difference between the generations these days. Like, yeah. it's a world of difference almost. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they, they don't quite know how to behave. No. Um, People don't know. So we have to we have to set up the boundary for them. Yeah. And do you think um, with certain in-laws that are very difficult, it's good to keep your space and keep it at a nice high and by and just keep to yourself and your family. And then, you know, whether you go over once a week and see them or once a fortnight and see them, that's enough. And it's better to actually make that space if things aren't as well as you'd hoped. Rather than communicating, would you always recommend, no, communicate the issue, sort it out and then do whatever you want from there on? Oh, I think it has to be from experience in the sense that if you've tried to communicate and it just goes nowhere and it goes very badly every single time, then of course you have to start pulling back and just do do the bare minimum to be honouring. I'm really big on honour mm-hmm. um, and I, I know you are too, where you just, honour is basically giving someone the respect they deserve for who they are, mm-hmm. not for what they do. So if they're your parents, that's who they are. Whether they're good parents, bad parents, shocking, whatever it may be, honour is to basically not go around speaking badly about them. It's 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 giving them the right to still be your parents, okay, and or in-laws or whatever it may be. But you but don't mistake that for you've got to spend night and day with them because in some cases it just makes you a bad parent now because yeah. now you're negative, you're hurt, you're bitter, you're, you're a bit yeah. twisted and you've, <laughs> you've, still got a, you've still got a job to, to do. Yeah. You've still got a husband to look after. You've still got kids to love. So sometimes, so please don't ever mistake what I'm saying right now for you need to spend night and day with people that drive you crazy. No, but honour is different. You know, having that ongoing tension where you just hate each other, and you know as well as yeah. I do, there can be like civil war going on uh, in some families. I don't think that's healthy. It's not healthy for the kids to see that. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think you want to create that through your generations yeah. where that's a common thing. 
Even when you said it in the book and you said this is – we're referring a lot back to 60 Seconds to Save Your Relationship, who Richard wrote, but even when you said in the book that's the example that you're setting for your kids to do to you, that blew my mind because I was like, I never thought of that. They're so young. Like how would they see that as anything? But it's true. Our kids really are sponges and they learn everything, all behaviours from us. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, so the next question from my followers is – how important is spicing up the relationship and any ideas how? Well, without sounding boring, I'm going to go back to, <laughs> got to keep it honest. So if you're feeling something is getting boring, you've got to communicate that. You've got to do it gently, but you've got to communicate. Because I think, especially in the bedroom, okay, um, well, actually, can I... I'm just going to put it out there. You know, a lot, a lot of things. I'm gonna, I was going to say everything, but I won't go. I won't say everything. Most things flow out of the bedroom. Yeah. Um, if if a guy or a girl is, are not happy in the bedroom, um, that tells you a lot about the relationship in its entirety. That's why you know, chapter ten, have lots of sex. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not that's not some sort of you know erotic, perverted sort of statement where I'm trying to be cheeky. It's an honest truth. It's a, it's the place of the most intimacy. Yeah. Right. And if the most intimate thing a husband and wife can do is not fun and yeah. it's not, you know, spicy any longer. Yeah. Now, you know as well as I do, if you're a married couple, you've been married for a couple of years now, you know, sometimes it's just hurry up, let's, yeah. get, let's get this thing done. Especially and with kids. Yeah, and that's, and that's okay. There's, there's seasons of that. But if that's all it ever becomes, that's, it's really, it's a dangerous place because, well, social media just won't allow that. <laughs> Yeah. because it's going to give you the picture that everyone else's life is really spicy yeah. and the last thing you want is you feeling, I'm missing out. Mm. Now, we all know it can't be that every single time, but there should be seasons, yeah. uh, moments where it is. And you know what that takes? It takes effort. It takes thought. Yeah. You know, tonight it's going to be on. And I, can I just strongly recommend to you know all the female listeners out there, I know for Helen, when we first had kids, you know, I mean, they were wearing her out, right? Yeah. And I'd get home and it wasn't spicy. It wasn't fun. And <laughs> she was tired. And eventually I just had to say, hey, listen, you know, maybe maybe the kids just need to go to bed, you know, whenever they do go to bed. And then maybe you need to have a rest as well. Yeah. And she didn't feel that she had the right to do that. I think she thought she had to be working all day and doing a whole lot of things. And by the time I got home, she'd be well rested. And, and, and honestly, it really changed our relationship at that point in time because she, I was getting her best, not, yeah. not the leftovers. Yeah. So I think, I think it's really, but it's not, sorry, but it's not just about the bedroom, right? Sometimes it's just about, hey, hun, I know you, you were planning to cook tonight, but no, I'm taking you out for dinner. Yeah. You know, I think most people would call that being romantic. Yeah. Right? That, yeah, great. Whatever you want to call it, you've got to change things up. Sometimes you just got to go straight back to being like you're dating yeah you know um obviously in the bedroom well we would hope that that's a, a married couples thing right but you know you you've you got to do a whole lot of stuff going for a drive together whatever do you think who needs to take initiative what if it's you that thinks it's boring but your partner thinks everything's great like he's happy the way it is what what then because i did get a few questions for, mostly from females what can they do to spice it up? Obviously, in the bedroom, they can take initiative and do something that they haven't done before, buy a cute outfit, whatever it may be. But how can you have this conversation with your partner without offending them? Because obviously, telling someone that you're starting to get a little bit bored is 
it's it's full on. Like they're not going to exactly take that easily. So how do you even say that or begin that conversation? Or do you even say it at all? Yes, you definitely do. But yeah, you wouldn't say, I feel this relationship is boring. I don't think that's going to, I don't think that that's the first thing that they want to hear or anybody wants to hear. Um, but like I said, if you don't say it at some point, you will say it Enough. at some point. Yeah. And by then there's damage done and, and people are hurt and maybe something has really gone wrong as in, you know, affairs or who knows, who knows what has happened um, but I think, you know, sometimes we are always waiting for the other person. I think the only thing you really can do is, of course, communicate, but then you be the change that you want to see happen. Yeah. So you've got to make it happen to some degree. Lo and behold, when you've done it maybe once, twice, sometimes four or five times where you've been the change, they haven't changed at all. Then eventually they start to work out, I like, I like these things that you do that are a bit different. That yeah. are, you know, and then maybe, and then I, what I often see is they do reciprocate. Yeah, I, they often do. Yeah, as we all know, there are some old school people out there that may, nothing's going to shift them because I don't know why. But most people do then reciprocate and go, oh, "I like what you're doing here. I can see what you're doing, and I'm enjoying it." Mm-hmm. And okay, maybe it's time for me to do something. Yeah, I think that conversation to have, especially post kids, when you aren't feeling your best and you don't feel good about yourself, but you do want to change. But you're like, I don't want it to come from me because I'm just, I don't know where my head's at at the moment, but I do know that I'm unhappy where we are. But like you said, that extra rest goes a long way. Sometimes it's it's something as small as I want you to be well rested, and I know in return that's going to help me. And it's the same when my partner comes home and cooks or does the dishes while I'm pulling kids to sleep, and I'm like, well, that's one thing I didn't have to do, and that's making my connection to you even stronger that's making me want you more so he's done that without realizing and then later gone oh this is this is a nice surprise that you're in this type of mood instead of don't touch me I've been touched by kids all day so it is it's definitely um something to think about that's for sure so another question I had to ask from a follower is how can we control our behaviors something I love teaching people is what we call the head the heart the hands right behaviors are the hands they're the things that we eventually do they're the behaviors what we probably don't realize is that in between our what we do is what we sorry let me say that again what we do is the last thing is the last piece of the process right what often happens is we are thinking some thoughts thoughts always affect our emotions our emotions are completely dumb right we give our emotions way too much credence right our emotions don't know the difference between the present the past or the future so if you think about something that happened to you 20 years ago your emotions will start to feel what you felt back then Mm -hmm. because they don't know whether it's happening right now whether it's going to happen or whether it happened in the past they don't know the difference so whatever you think about will affect your emotions and it's your emotions that create behaviors so it's a thought that creates an emotion, that creates a behavior. So you wanna change your behavior? What are you thinking about? So if, for example, if you're, if, if you're not wanting to be with your partner, um, you're feeling like you're wanting to give them the cold shoulder, that's a behavior. Where's that coming from? That's coming from an emotion. Your emotions are making you do that because we say stuff like, I don't feel like being with you. That's what we say, right? Yeah. So you're actually saying your emotions are controlling you, and you're absolutely right. But what's controlling your emotions? That's the bigger question. It's your thoughts. Do you know why you're feeling that way? It's because you're thinking resentful thoughts toward him. Mm. 
you're thinking you're you're you're, you're thinking oh he 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 liked that facebook page or he said that to that girl the other day and when you think about that long enough it affects your emotions and your emotions control your behavior so work backwards what are you doing what are you feeling about that behavior why why do you feel like you can do that what are you thinking that's creating those emotions yeah so if you want to change your behavior think about your head then your heart then your hands mm. do you think parts of us protect ourselves like we know that something is not right and so our behaviors in turn and our thoughts and whatnot kind of interpret that without actually having any proof or having anything that siding with us but we kind of just know absolutely i mean you know uh, the the amount of behaviors that are going on right now that are completely unwarranted Mm. right people are uh, right now are isolating themselves from their friendships from their relationships or whatever i i refuse to cook for you i refuse to do whatever you know whatever there's a there's behaviors going on right now that are simply led by their emotions from thoughts that are not true mm. they're just someone put that thought into your head but it's actually not true and if you continue with that thinking that's why you know if i want to change someone's behavior i just go straight for their thinking wow. you know if someone's feeling depressed therefore they are staying at home locking the doors putting the blinds down do you know the first question i ask a depressed person is hey sweetheart hey buddy what are you thinking yeah and as soon as i discover their thoughts then i got to ask them well then i need to ask myself are, are these thoughts even real yeah and then i'll ask them so why why are you thinking that who told you that and then they discover hang on a minute these thoughts aren't even real that completely changes their emotions it completely completely changes their wow. behavior and usually for us it's like you just go straight for the behavior we'll get out more go see people and it's true it really is our thoughts at the end of the day that control everything it's hard to be emotionally intelligent isn't it because there are a lot of people who are they can control their thoughts they understand logic verse you know just feelings and it's hard sometimes being with someone who maybe is completely someone who trusts just his feelings and has no emotional intelligence and so it's it's it can be really hard to communicate with someone like that but I guess it just comes down to, like you said, feelings going from there. You know, when I, when I, uh, before I marry a couple, um, they get a phone call from me, literally hours before the wedding, and and then what I do is I actually um, I will ask them, how, so can you just remind me again? So how did you guys get together? What was the first date? How did he propose to you, or you know, or, or whatever? And I ask them a whole, and then it actually comes up at the wedding. So I actually, it's called the journey. Mm-hmm. So when I actually perform the wedding ceremony, I say, look, some of you don't know how these beautiful people got to be here today. Let me, let me back up for you, right? So that's why I find the information. But my other reason for doing it is I'm taking her and him back to the beginning, wow. right? And you know, by the end of that conversation, the girl is usually saying, I can't wait to marry him. Mm-hmm. And he's going, I can't wait to marry. Because what I've done is I've, I've taken hold of their thinking which has totally engaged their emotions. And by the time they're walking down that aisle, they, are, they just can't wait for that experience, right? Now, you would think so. They're about to get married, right? Yeah. Do you know, I use the same principles when they're having trouble in their marriage 15 years later. I go, so tell me again, how did you guys get together? Where did you meet? And I just take them down that same, do you know by the time, you know when they first walk into my office, they're sitting on either side of the couch. Do you know by the time they've finished telling me the story of how they got together, how we proposed, 
you know they're actually sitting closer together? Wow. Like we're almost home now. What have I done? All I've done is I've got their thinking changed, mm-hmm. which, is a, which is engaging their emotions, mm. and now their behaviour is starting to change immediately. So if I can just keep going down that road, that's how we change behaviours. That is incredible. So another question that a follower had was, how do you know when to call it quits? You know, there is a, there is a, a, there is a time. Yeah. To, to call it quits, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm a big advocate, obviously, for marriage. I think it's, it's a great institution. It, it works for, to create a healthy family and, and I'm constantly dealing with young people whose parents did divorce and the heartache of that and the brokenness. And so hear, hear my heart here. It, you know, if you can make this thing work, make it work, guys. Hold on. Hang in there. Don't be tempted by everything you're seeing out there and people are destroying their marriages at the drop of a hat and moving on. No, no, I, I don't agree with that. But there is a time when you do need to call it quits. And I think at the end of the day, it's hard to stay married to someone if they're literally dead, right? And what I mean by that is in, in some situations, the relationship is seriously killing them. I'm talking about, there was one girl that I'm thinking of, her, um, she, she, her health was going downhill because the relationship was so toxic because she had been honest about his behavior, had tried to confront the behavior. He did not change his behavior whatsoever. And she literally, her her body was beginning to shut down and doctors basically had to say to her, what is going on in your life that is causing you literally to die? Like you are dying. Um, Now in that situation there, that relationship is over. This girl's gonna be dead either way. Mm. (laughs) Like she's she's gonna be shutting down. So lo and behold, she did pull the trigger on the relationship and as per usual, the guy made the changes after it was over, which is the, usually the case. Guys just don't seem to want to make the changes until it's literally over. My prayer is that they can do that before. Um, and you know what? Her health improved immediately. So please hear my heart again. I'm not saying that if you know, you've know you caught a cold or you've got a bit of a headache because your husband didn't vacuum that you're now leaving. <laughs> right? What I'm saying is, no, there is a time. There is a time when this thing is so toxic, it's killing you. It's hurting your kids. It's really, yeah. really, really bad. And, you know, there is a, there is a time to say, you know, now maybe not immediately a divorce because maybe things can change just through a separation. Yeah. But you just can't persist with bad, toxic behavior from both people, by the way. Um, you know, and, and then just think, well, no, no, I'm just committed to this thing. And, but at the end of the day, it's, it, the, the relationship will end because one of you won't be alive. Yeah. And do you think this generation is so prone to quitting and seeing what's out there, especially with social media? Like you said, you know, everyone's posting these beautiful highlights of their life and so they assume, well, her husband cooks and cleans for her. Why haven't I got this? Do you know what? You're not right for me or whatever. But do you think this generation is just, they're not, like they, they want the wedding, but they don't want the marriage. They don't realise how difficult it is. Marriage is hard. It is something that you work towards to, to get better and better every day. It isn't something that's, you know, hell to be in no way. But it is something that you're constantly having to work on. And I think a lot of people don't know the ins and outs. And so it's very easy to call it quits. But to actually stay and work through it, I, do you think there are certain reasons? Is it like there is a definite leave uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, the social media culture that we all live in these days and, you know, there's obviously some great aspects and there's some negatives. I think we, are, we, are, we witness a lot of people's highlight reels 
Um, and then lo and behold, we watch a couple on Insta or whatever, and they look like everything's going great. Uh, and then we discover that the relationship's over, right? And then we're like, what? You know. So obviously, what that tells me is every relationship has got its issues. And when you see a, a bodybuilder or a young lady who's got this beautiful body, all right, she's had to work hard for that. She didn't get it by accident. I'm talking about someone who's really, you know, like physique is incredible, right? Um, I'm sure that person wakes up some days and says, I don't feel like going to the gym, but they go, mm. all right? You can't base your relationship fully on feelings, right? We've got to stay committed to what we believe is right. And yes, I know we say marriage is hard work and that just sounds like a job. Yeah. But what, that, what we're actually saying is we're going to be in this thing, whether we're feeling it, or whether we're not feeling it, we're still gonna do all the right things, yeah. we're gonna st still treat each other well. And then lo and behold, you know, just like if I liken it to that person going to the gym, you know, you get to summer and you have those moments where everyone's admiring what you've done in the yeah. secret, right? No one saw that girl, that guy waking up 6 a.m. with a rain, hail, shine down there at the gym, eating well, right? Doing all the right things, whether they felt like it or not, now they get to show us what their body looks like. And we're like, oh, wow, I want that. Yeah, but do you want to wake up and go to the gym yeah. and go and go there every 6 a.m. every day, eat well? And that's what it's like with relationships. You want a great relationships, a lot of it happens with the coming home and just vacuuming. Yeah. It, it is the, the kind word when you don't feel like saying something kind. Yeah. And there's going to be times when you, you're not feeling it. Mm. But you get on Insta, it's like, oh, my, I'm supposed to be feeling it, therefore I'm going to leave my partner. Yeah. No, no, sometimes you just... You just you stay committed to this thing, yeah. Um, and 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 you will reap the benefits. You will, and you just got to hold on and keep plowing the field. What about when it comes to infidelity? So, say your partner cheats on you, and you know that it's gonna it's gonna be damn well impossible to forgive him for cheating. What then? Because I know a lot of questions came in about infidelity from followers. But your advice to people, what would it be? Well, yeah, look, I, I think infidelity obviously is the biggest betrayal in a relationship. I mean, it's huge. It's massive. And I know that in some cultures it's almost acceptable. And, hey, look, if that's how you feel, good luck with that. For me, it would be like it's the deal breaker. Mm. And, um, and I know that in the Bible and I know that many holy books would suggest that marriage is forever, right? But I know that Jesus himself gave us only one way out actually when it comes to you know a relationship being over and that is for infidelity like he gave you the full green light go ahead get out of there yeah it's actually the same in the quran yeah. as well yeah i'm sure it is yeah. because it is the biggest betrayal yeah. of the contract like you're breaking the contract here now of course there's also the physical elements of what diseases are you bringing into this relationship and and as we as we all know there's some potentially deadly viruses that you could bring into the relationship through infidelity and all that but I think even deeper than that is just that you've broken the contract of intimacy between yeah. us so I know that some people tolerate it and go for your life you know if if that's what you want to do but I I would just say that it need, if you know about it you need to confront it now, I need to just preface that by saying, if you feel like your life's going to be in danger, mm. um, in, seek help. In, yeah, you please seek help because I know it does go bad very quickly. Mm. Uh, and, you know, seriously, I don't want to get all dark here, but yeah. it, it could lead to, yeah, to yeah. who knows what yeah. uh, when that sort of stuff is confronted. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I would just say to sit back and tolerate it 
to me, that's not really a marriage. I don't know what that is, but that's not the intimate relationship that I think God desires for all of us. Do you think once a cheater, always a cheater? I do. Uh, (laughs) uh, My experience has been, no, no, I wouldn't say, I would say it does get easier. Once you've broken a contract, it's easier to just break it again and again and again. Yeah, that's great. Um, that makes sense. So, but I do. I have seen people who have broken contract and never broken it again. Oh, wow. um, so I have seen that, but it comes out of a genuine repentance, a genuine "I'm so sorry," not a "Oh, you busted me," <laughs> right? Um, so the times that I think you can tell the difference is when they have been honest with you without being confronted about it. Yeah. Um, that's when you pretty much know. Uh, no. There's no guarantees, but yeah. th- they seem to be the couples that it doesn't happen again. Yeah. But the I busted you, oh, I am so sorry. Yeah, there's no guarantee from, from that one. And then I would just say that you've got to set the boundaries. Okay, so there's no there's no more passcode on your phone. Yeah. Um, there's no more passcodes on your inter- – oh, I need to know all your passwords. Yeah. And if there's secrecy still, I, then I would still say it's, it's going to happen somewhere, somehow, and just brace yourself because it's coming your way again. Mm. That's That's interesting. One other question um, a follower had to ask was, what do you define as cheating? I was having this conversation on my Instagram not long ago, talking about flirting with a girl online or liking her bikini photos, like non-innocent photos, not something of her plant or her dog, something of her ass cheeks. Do you think that's that's cheating in some way, at least emotional cheating? Um, y- yes, I mean, you could you could use that term, but I think you've got to be careful because that, where is the line that where it is cheating? And I think that that's when it, that's when it crosses over into the physical realm, when there's been touching, when there's been kissing or, or whatever it may be. So there's a lot of inappropriate emotional behavior that can go on. And we call that emotional cheating, where you're having very deep conversations about your dreams, your life. I'm not happy with my wife. I love when I talk to you. And you know, we, we all know where that's heading, mm-hmm. um, but you know, that stuff can be healed and, and repaired and change, the behaviors can be changed very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. But once the physical boundaries have been crossed, yeah. I think that's when that, that's when that term cheating is very appropriate. Um, I just, I think we've got to be careful. One like on, on some girl's photo or some guy's photo, by the way, it does yeah. go both ways <laughs> here, ladies, guys, it, it, it does. It, it goes both ways here. I think we've got to be careful that we're not that sensitive that you can't seriously, if, if, that I can't be driving down the street, see a, a bikini, a, you know, a, a folly, sea folly, whatever. <laughs> and if I just stare at it for an extra one second, bang, I'm cheating. But do you think, what about if you've had a convo and you're like, this is what I expect in my relationship. I don't want us to be following the opposite sex and liking their photos. There's obviously a line when it's family and friends and people like we already know, but I'm talking about and like celebrities that we know we'll never meet in our yeah. lives. But if it's the girl at work or if it's the ex or whoever it may be, if you've had that convo and you're like, no, this is what I, re- what I expect in the relationship and they still do that, is it still as innocent as just a like then? Well, the, the original question is, <laughs> <laughs> is it cheating? Okay. Now, I think it's very unwise. I don't follow those types of people on, you know, that are doing the whole bikini shots and everything because, as it says in the book, you, know, you don't accidentally have an, have an affair. Yeah. You don't accidentally end up in someone's bed, right? Yeah. It is one door leads to another, leads to another. And I just, I suppose what I'm saying is at, at which door are you going to 
say that it's cheating. Yeah, I would say when it crosses you. the physical line, right? Yeah. I would just say all the other stuff is inappropriate flirt, flirtation, uh, inappropriate emotional connections. Uh, you, can, you can use all those terms, mm-hmm. and it's very unwise to be sliding into someone's DM and all those things. I think it's true. I mean, all those things are very unwise to do because you know where it's all heading. And you've got to ask yourself a big question. If I end up having an affair and my partner leaves me, was it all worth it? Yeah. Um, but, you know, to, but cheating, like to, no. to, to basically say, oh, you're cheating on me. Well, oh, oh, no. I, I suppose what I'm saying is don't downplay the word. Because yeah. if you start quoting that they're cheating at a like, then, oh, well, I've already cheated on you, so I might as well have sex. Yeah. No, don't have sex. Why not? You've already said I'm cheating. Yeah, exactly. Like if I'm already cheating and breaking, are you telling me I'm breaking contract at a like? Yeah. No, you're not. Okay, let's just keep it honest then. I just don't think you should be doing that. It's very unwise. I feel hurt that you're doing that, but it's not cheating. Yeah. Because then why not go all the way? Yeah. And and, and by the way, can I just give you just a, just a, some side fries with, with your steak? <laughs> if you constantly accuse your partner of cheating only out of your own insecurity, my experience has been that people then go ahead and start cheating because if you're going to accuse them of it and they're going to pay a price for it, then they may as well eat it. Yeah. They may as well, if, you, if you're going to make them pay for the cheesecake, then they'll actually eat the cheesecake. This is a mind-blowing moment, you guys. This just, it's true though. And it's also when you set a lot of rules and regulations in the relationship that are so hard to stick by. Like if you glance at a chick, but don't glance for longer than a second, if you do this or if you do that or if we're at a gathering and my cousin's friend walks in and you're sitting having a conversation. Oh, you know, it does. One thing does lead to another. And I feel like once you're constantly playing victim, you do become a victim in terms of not anything more than this kind of stuff, obviously. But in terms of like you're constantly accusing and setting up all these boundaries, it can actually push your partner away at the end and do what you've said it will do. That is that is next level. Okay. One last question. Is it normal to outgrow your partner, especially in marriage where you have been together for God knows how long years, but, you know, for how long ever you've been together? Absolutely. Um, Outgrowing each other in different areas is a really, really common thing. You should expect it, actually. It's actually, it's it's a great uh, process, okay? And, um, you know, so... I'll give you just a little example here. So, you know, when, when we first got married, Helen made me a roast beef sandwich one day and, and, and I went to work and I opened up this and I'm like, man, this is the nicest roast beef sandwich I've ever eaten in my life. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm half Armenian, half Lebanese and like roast beef sandwiches. Who's had one of these things before, right? And, um, but you know what? Then I told her that and then she made me another one the next day and I was like, oh, this is so yum. And then she made me another one the next day and then she made me another one the day after that. <laughs> and I think she had to say, oh, look, uh, I really love the roast beef sandwich. Thank you so much. But, um, you know, like, I've basically, I've outgrown it. Like, yeah. within five days, I don't want that thing. And so I think it's really important, again, to communicate if you've outgrown. So, you know, sometimes we just get nostalgic. And I'll, and, and I'll say, you, you, you like Louis Vuitton handbags. I'm just going to buy you Louis Vuitton for the rest of your life now. Yeah. No, I've, I've outgrown that. I used to like that. Yeah. Now I actually like that brand. I used to like going to that cafe, uh, but I don't. Uh, please don't take me that, to that one cafe for the rest of my life. I used to like the fact that you were funny, honey, when we were dating. 
but now we've got mortgage bills and like like you telling me your latest joke when you actually just need to get off the couch and go get a job <laughs> right right you know what i'm saying like but what do you mean you used to like it when i when when i made you laugh you you told me you liked me because i make you laugh honey we were 18 and, and we were at luna park you know but now we've got four kids can you stop being funny and pick up a vacuum cleaner um, so we do, we do grow, especially if, if you're studying, mm-hmm. like my wife is studying at the moment and she's studying, you know, you know, governance and it's not the most riveting thing, yeah. but she's learning a lot. And I can see that she's actually changing and she's growing in her leadership. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's easy for me to just sort of get stuck. And if I don't allow her to grow, then she will feel like she's outgrown me. Where yeah. I'm saying that no, I'm embracing your growth. Yeah. I love your growth. I love when you think differently. And if you don't if you don't do that, then people feel like you don't understand them anymore. Yes. So it's not like you have to continue you don't have to really grow with them. You just gotta embrace yes. their growth. Because otherwise that's a huge pressure. So every time you grow, I've got to grow. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just embracing your growth. I love your growth. It's when I don't appreciate your growth that you've now outgrown me. Yeah. Do you think some people get arrogant when they get bigger and, and their partner might appreciate them and might be like, I love, you know, how well you're doing, but they almost think that they're better than their partner because they've all of a sudden maybe learned something new, been around new people. And do you think that's where outgrowing someone turns sour? Yeah, absolutely. You do have to be careful mm. of your new life or your new revelation of life or you know maybe you've just started joining the gym and now you're meeting a whole lot of people who are teaching you how to eat well but your partner's still eating really bad food and he's like i'm happy for you but you know and you're like you know that's so bad and coke zero and and look and some of that is needs to be said um but at the same time i think the best way you can encourage someone to grow is for you to just be the greatest example of it and um and and so so if if health and fitness is big on, on your agenda rather than come on honey get out of bed get up at 6 a.m do what i'm doing oh man you're just annoying me yeah <laughs> you're you're annoying me like no no the best thing you can do is you just get up at six and then all of a sudden he she start to see the changes in your life the way you're more positive yeah. then that starts to influence them in that way but what you don't want to do is you're bad i'm good i'm i'm better than you because yeah. what people actually do is that causes insecurity which makes them go back further yeah. So even even the little bit of good that they did have going, you're now going to even shut that down be, just to prove you wrong Yeah, and to be in defiance of you. That's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I, have, I feel like I've learned a lot from this, honestly. Thank you so much for answering the questions. And if you guys want to purchase the book, it is 60 Seconds to Save Your Relationship. It is on Instagram. I'll have it tagged up and a link down underneath this podcast but thank you for joining us thank you for having me and uh honestly any other questions if anything i can say or do will be of benefit to you please just let me know for sure we'll definitely have you back after this conversation (laughs) have a good one guys i'll see you speak to you soon Thank you for watching Yasmina Uncut. If you do like this episode, don't forget to like, review and subscribe.